Our ability to feel deeply is a gift from God, and our emotional health plays an important role in how we interact with other people, for better or for worse. Understanding what emotional health looks like biblically and learning how to discipline our unwanted emotions will lead to stronger relationships in every area of our lives. Join us for this new message series as we learn together how to deal with what we feel. So we started out this series called Mixed Emotions, and today's the last day of the series. As you saw, we got James coming up next week, but we've been kind of working through a lot of things over the last few weeks, and I don't know about you, but it's been good for me just to even write this stuff and preach this stuff and try to put it into practice in my own life, but we started out talking about the truth about feelings what they really are, where they come from, God's design for them. And then we talked about some practical ways how to change your feelings. I mean, sometimes you need to change how you feel. And we can actually do that. And since then, we've gotten into talking about busyness and conflict and fear and anger and depression. And along with all of those things and your own lifestyle choices and your own disposition towards God, all of those things can end up creating a lot of stress in your life. And how many know stress can be crippling when it affects you? So today we're gonna close out the series with a message entitled, When I Feel Stressed. When I Feel Stressed. And the big idea here is this, that stress affects our lives, and I think in sometimes more profound ways than we can even imagine. Stress affects us right down to the very core of our being. It affects us in our soul. It affects us in our mind. It affects us in our bodies. And so today, we're going to look at some ways that we can manage stress God's way with some spiritual disciplines that I think you will come to appreciate. I hope this helps you. But first, let's get a little more context on stress. So like I said, stress is common to us. I think it's kind of a common enemy, though it's not always a bad thing. I think this is true, too. Even though we live right now in the safest, healthiest, most prosperous time in all of human history, that is true. Be sure about it. Even though that is true, I think we probably also live in the highest stress period in all of human history. I mean, just think about where our society has come, even in the last hundred years. We went from an agrarian culture, we went through the industrial age, then into the information technology age, and now we've got technology explosion. We got cell phones and computers. We got a 24-hour news cycle. How many know you want to see something bad happening in the world at any minute of the day? Just turn it on. You can find it. You can find something to create stress in your life. You get in your car. Now you got XM radio, so you got all those same news channels that you can watch at midnight. You can listen to them while you're driving. It's inescapable to get away from all of the pressures thanks to the benefit of technology. Praise the Lord for all the connectedness. I don't actually know that God created us and designed us to have so much information inundating us all of the time. And the result of all of this is that we get a little stressed out, don't we? I think we do. And then on top of all that, we have some other things we have to deal with, right? There's, there's the onslaught of political fear and insecurity. There's the rapid decline of the public education system, not to mention the, the twisted and almost unrecognizable higher education system today. And then there's these bizarre, unbiblical philosophies that are being jammed down our, our, our kids' throats every day where they go. We have uh, financial uncertainty. I mean, how many enjoy the $5 a gallon gas right now? 
and everything that goes along with it. We have this impending recession. We have constant new demands on our jobs to be more productive but make less money. All this crazy stuff, not to mention relationship pressures and just trying to be a good husband, to be a good wife, to be a good parent, to be a good child, to be a good student, to be a good employee, to be a good business owner, to be a good son or daughter of the Most High. It's a lot. It's a lot. Collectively, it's a lot. Some of you are probably thinking, geez, Nate, I came here to be encouraged today, and now I'm feeling a little stressed. <laughs> Me too. Me too. But all that stuff is real. Every day we deal with it, so that's why we talk about it. With everything else that's going on, what we start to see is the effects of stress overload all across our culture. It's affecting you and it's affecting me. How many know the business of stress management has actually become a pretty big business too? Right? I mean, we've got workshops, we've got relaxation music, we've got spa excursions. Everybody say, woosa. Yeah. It's a big business just to try to deal with the stress that we all have and the effects, I think, on our personal lives are even more profound than we can even imagine at times. I said earlier that stress penetrates to the core of our being, and that's true. Research shows this, that stress literally changes our bodies, changes our brains, changes our chemistry, affects you in real tangible ways. I know for me, uh, and I have a fairly high stress tolerance, which is good news, bad news for me sometimes, but when I get actually physiologically stressed, I get this pain right here. And it's as if, like, some big, strong dude like Andrew came and just started working his thumb as hard as he could right into that spot. And it just, it just begins to ache. And I can feel it. So even if I don't mentally think I'm stressed, sometimes I just start to feel the stress show up in my body. Some of you probably have the same thing. In fact, I would bet all of you have the same thing. Maybe some of you know it and some of you don't. But by a quick show of hands, how many of you just know it when you're stressed out? You just know the signs. You've, you've learned to recognize what happens inside of you. So you know what happens. And it's likely a, a physiological thing that you feel. But sometimes just because you feel it and you know it's there, you don't know what to do about it. And I think it happens more often than we think. I mean, one more show of hands. We're doing some church calisthenics here. But how many of you have felt that just even in the last two weeks? In the last two weeks you felt that stress. All right, so that's why we're talking about it. <laughs> I have to tell you, I'm actually a pretty uh, big theology nerd. I like to just nerd out on the Bible. I've got some of my theology nerd buddies here in the room. We can sit down and have coffee for four hours and talk about obscure texts and passages and weird things in the Bible that don't make sense. And I really get a lot of satisfaction from going down theological wormholes, and that's all good. But here at Vintage on Sundays, we try to preach from what we would call applied theology or practical theology. In other words, what we're going to talk about is theological in nature, but it's going to have a practical impact on our lives. So we're studying studying God's word, looking at God's ways, and then saying, what do we do with it? So that's why we try to do these practical messages. So let's do some practical theology here today on stress. Is that okay? Let's do it. All right, here's a central truth, first of all, about stress, and that is this. There is no such thing as a stress-free life. Now, sometimes just knowing that can help set you free, because you're like, man, I can, if I can just get past the next few weeks, finally it'll be stress-free. There's actually a, a real danger in, in only keeping a calendar out a few weeks at a time. Because how many know, if you, if you look at November right now, or maybe October, you look at your calendar, it may look like it's fairly free. But how many know that's an illusion? 
When you get there, it's not going to be free. So sometimes we look three and four months out in our calendar and go, oh, well, it'll be less stressful then. That's not actually true. I encourage calendar keeping for a whole lot of people for a whole lot of reasons. But I also encourage long-term calendar keeping because you can kind of set yourself up for an emotional moment here and feeling stressed out when you constantly think that just a few months down the road, I won't have all this stress that I have now. Sometimes there's an event coming where maybe that's true, but what I have found, and I'm only 43 years old, but, so I'm, I'm not young, but I'm not old. I'm kind of in this magical in-between space of life, but what I have learned so far is that that stress-free moment a few months down the road is a mirage in the desert. It never actually shows up. So if we just tell ourselves, hey, i got to figure out how to actually live with this, how to manage this well, how to follow Jesus in it, you'll have a better chance of doing so, and it won't kill you every time it shows up. But stress is one of those things you're always going to have. Let's look at John 16, Another encouraging word here from Jesus. He says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Thank you, Jesus, for encouraging us today. That word tribulation in other translations sometimes says trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying you're going to have problems. There's not a stress-free life waiting for you in this world. But there is a God who has gone before you, stands behind you and all around you, and is ready to be with you in your overcoming of whatever is in front of you. And Jesus says he's already done it. So let's follow him through it. I think a key to overcoming stress is actually not eliminating it, but managing it by putting biblical principles into our lives. Now, obviously, we can't cut stress completely out of our lives, nor do I think you would actually want to if you really went down that rabbit trail. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But I would say this, some stress is okay as long as you manage it well. I think that stress becomes harmful and negative when stress begins to control us. So first we have to understand it, then we have to manage it. So let's understand it at just a little bit deeper level. I'm going to give you two definitions of stress. One is this. Stress is the pressures of life and how one perceives, believes, reacts, and copes with these pressures. Here's another definition I want to give you. I like this one quite a lot. Stress is what you and I feel when we become aware of the gap between our expectations and our reality. When we become aware of the gap, say gap, between our expectations and reality, we begin to feel stressed about those things. So let me give you a few truths about stress. Number one, not all stress is harmful. There's your word if you're taking notes. You should have a handout in your bulletin you can write on or they're in the app. That's your first fill in the blank of this. Not all stress is harmful. Not all stressful moments or seasons are harmful. Matter of fact, I would say this. I think some amount of stress actually enhances your life. I mean, think about it. How boring would life be if you didn't have a little stress every now and then? Some moments that are really meaningful, some of the most meaningful moments in your entire life are kind of a mixed bag of stress, excitement, and fulfillment all at the same time. Right? Think about, I was talking to somebody out in the, the commons this morning who's a wedding planner, and it got me thinking about weddings, and I thought, you know, at a wedding, there's a lot of stress, but there's a lot of excitement, and you don't get one without the other. 
And you know this, if you've, if you've been a part of a big wedding, which I'm, I'm, the older I get, the more I think those may not make a lot of sense, but you do you. Um, but if you want to do this big wedding and spend a whole bunch of money and do all this stuff, you know, there's going to be a lot of stress that's involved in that. But there's a lot of excitement. And the, the culmination of it all leads to a lot of fulfillment. So you take out the stress, you take out the excitement, you take out what, what makes life fun. You take out a key ingredient. Think about it, like buying a new home or moving into it, starting a new job. These are things that oftentimes create a lot of stress, but a lot of excitement at the same time. Like the last few days, by the way. <laughs> As I begin thinking about moving to another school for the rest of the summer. Fair amount of stress. Fair amount of stress. But you know what? A lot of excitement, too. Because I don't think stuff like that just happens for no reason. And I've also lived long enough to know, it's going to sound real preacher, but I'm just going to preach it anyway. There ain't no testimony without a test. So sometimes you have to get tested so that you can walk through it, so that you can fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, show up where he intended for you to go through the stress, through the trauma, through the trouble, through the work, through the pain, and arrive and see that God had it waiting for you all along. So guess what? I think we're going to move over to Santa Rita Middle School, and people are going to connect to this church and have their lives changed for eternity that maybe never would have come into this building this summer. I think God's in it. So I look and go, well, yeah, it's a little more work, and it's a little stressful, and Thursday was kind of a whirlwind of a day when I found out, but I'm excited. I'm excited because it's a new opportunity for God to do something new right here in our midst. See, managing stress will help you through the good times and the bad. And I think a lot of times it's about, it's about holding the stress in tension. Having a little bit of it sort of keeps you on edge. It keeps you excited, but not having so much that it kills you. I'm a guitar player. There's a couple great guitar players up here, both way better than me. But, but one of the things, if you play guitar, you know, is that to get that thing tuned just right so that it sounds the way it's supposed to requires just the right amount of tension. Not enough, you got a floppy string, you can't make it play, sounds bad, out of pitch, out of tone, there's just nothing good about a detuned guitar. Or you turn it up too high and all of a sudden, pow, that thing will snap. One time I was tuning a guitar and I had some old strings on it and I was, I was pretty young and I was really broke, so I try to make those things go as far as they can. Come on, somebody, you've been there. They got a little rust starting to develop. You just play them anyway, it doesn't matter. And, uh, and, and I'm trying to tighten this thing up and I could just feel, like I just felt this thing is not gonna go good. And sure enough, as I'm tightening up, I'm tightening up over here and, and this is how you do it. you like this. Looking. And all of a sudden, right here, the string breaks and goes right inside my eye. Comes in and out. I mean, I put too much stress on that guitar string, and then it put some stress on me. That's how it can be. So we have to manage it. We have to manage it. So not all stress is harmful. But number two, too much stress is harmful. That was an easy one. If you're playing the game within a game and you're trying to guess these before I say them, you should have got that one. That was an easy one. Too much stress is harmful. In fact, excessive stress is extremely harmful to the human body. Our, our founding pastor, Stephen Martin, his wife, she's a physician, a hospitalist, and she said, she said you know, I, I, I think that it's about 75% of people who visit a primary care doctor do so because of something that is ultimately connected to unmanaged stress in their life. 75%. I said, are you sure? She said, I'm sure. It's at least that, in fact. So many of the medical issues that we have actually come about because we fail to manage stress well. And long-term stress can actually affect, it can affect your mental state and lead to memory loss 
And this can happen in short time, short-term stress as well. You get a little busy, all of a sudden you start dropping details. How many know you had that happen to you? Man, I can't believe I forgot about I never would have forgot about that, but I did now. It's an indicator. A little too much stress. A little too much stress. Long-term emotional stress often can happen because we don't manage relationships well, including, by the way, our relationship with God and with ourselves, but, of course, also with others. So we live with unforgiveness, and we don't forgive people like we should, and we have unresolved anger and conflict. That's why we preached on a few weeks ago. Or, or maybe it's a relationship with God that's the problem. Maybe we, we look at his word and we read it, and it, like, does not compute. We don't trust God. We don't live the way that he's called us to live. And so then we end up in a state of chronic anxiety. And we're like, man, why am I always so stressed out? Well, I don't know. Have you been doing things God's way? Are you managing relationships his way? Are you managing your time his way? Are you managing your money his way? No, no, no. Stress. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. And when we can't trust God, then we live in constant fear. Because how many know we can't control the world? I can't control the gas prices. I can't control almost anything except what happens right here inside my own body. And even that's a struggle sometimes. So we have to put our, to our trust and our hope in God. And if we don't, fear will take over. Unhealed grief, unresolved guilt, unresolved shame. So much of what happens to us happens, I think, because we live our lives on our own terms, our own ways, and not God's way. And then we get stressed out when our ways don't work. Well, the other thing about stress that makes it hard is number three, that stress is personal. Stress is personal. Stress is personal, which means that it, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to learn from other people about how to manage stress because we all deal with stress a little differently. What's stressful for you might not be stressful for, for me or vice versa, right? Uh, my wife and I are very different. We'll get into situations where all of a sudden, like, the stuff hits the fan like it did on Thursday, and she's like, you got to be kidding me. Are you so stressed out right now? I'm like, well, not really. I like, I like to bring order out of chaos. It becomes sort of fun for me when everything else hits the fan and people are scrambling and running. I just kind of like to just look and go, let's see how this is going to turn out. It'll be awesome. I'm just wired that way. Sometimes I probably should be more stressed than I am. And maybe I would make a little better decisions if I let the weight of it fall on me sometimes. But here's the deal. Your perceptions about what you determine to be stressful will have a significant impact on the stress that you feel. And I don't think there's any such thing as like just an automatic stressful situation. Of course, uh, unless you're just in Yellowstone and all of a sudden there's a buffalo trampede that comes over all of you. Probably all of you are going to feel that way. But most of the time in life, stress is circumstantial. And we all deal with it different. For example, I I love to meet new people. Some of you are terrified about that, right? I don't mind public speaking, but the idea of coming up here for some of you, you would rather get jumped out in the back of the school by five people than to come up here and have to take a microphone and talk to people. But here's the deal. Create a situation that's out of my control, and I don't have all the information that I need to make good decisions, I start to feel stressed. Fear of the unknown creates a lot of stress for me. But maybe you're like, ignorance is bliss, baby. Don't tell me, and then I don't have to worry about it, right? You can just handle that, no problem, what I can't handle. But you give me some chaos that might freak you out, stress you out, I'll probably be okay with it. We all just handle stuff a little bit differently. But let's look a little deeper, and, and I want to take a look before we wrap up here today at, at three things that we can learn from the life of Jesus that speak to what we can do when we feel stressed. Number one, know your source. We have to know who it is that we're trying to please in life. 
Newsflash, if the answer to that is yourself or somebody else, you're already off on the wrong foot. Let's look at this. John chapter 5, verse 30 says this. This is Jesus talking. And he says this. I can, of myself, do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Listen to me. This is very important. You have to settle in your heart who the first person is that you are trying to please. And if it is not God, I have to tell you, your thinking is out of order. I have to do this every day. God, today I want to please you. If I don't, I'm going to walk out that door trying to please you, 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 you. Maybe I'll get to me eventually. And how many know that is a stressful life that no one can endure? So I have to just do it every single day. And if I don't, I'll become an ingrown shell of a person. I have to remind myself every morning, God, my task today is to please you. What would you have me do? And the days I walk that out are great days. The days when I don't, those are good days. I don't have bad days anymore, just good or great. But you have to settle this in your heart. Matthew 6, but seek first. Everybody say first. Not second, not third, not fifth. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Listen, when you're not living your life to please God, you can end up feeling like a victim to pressure a victim to people, a victim to circumstance. Nobody wants to live like that, but we all do it. So how do we keep God first? I think it's this. First of all, you have to make and keep a habit of a personal devotional life. I know this starts to sound a little fundamentalist. A little, hey, did you have your quiet time today? But guess what? It's important. It's important to start and end your day with Jesus. If you don't, you are off on the wrong foot. And getting it back on track once the day gets going is very challenging to do. And we see this continually in the life of Jesus. Jesus had this, this pattern of just slipping away to get with the Father all the time because that's how he would recalibrate, recalibrate, recalibrate. We have to do the same thing. Mark 1.35 says this. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. We see this in the life of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus, being fully God and fully man, needed to get alone before daybreak with the Father to align his heart to the will and ways of his Father, do you think it might work for you? I think it would. And I think it does. Number two, you have to know your aim. We've kind of been talking about this, but I'm going to dig into it a little bit more. You have to know what you're trying to accomplish. And again, that's part of who you're trying to please, but also what you're trying to do. As human beings, I think God made us to be target people. In fact, the Bible even talks about us like arrows. When he talks about kids, it's like having a quiver full of arrows. And our lives are designed to shoot in a particular way. I think this is one of the reasons we like sports. We like to hit the target. We like to make the goal. We like to sink the putt. Come on, somebody. We like to do those sorts of things. I think it gives us sort of an innate satisfaction when we hit a target that we're aiming at, whatever it is. And sports is one of those things that kind of brings it into tactile right in front of you. I think if I can just make this, I'm just going to feel good inside. I think that's because our very lives and our beings and who we are were designed to be aimed in a specific direction. And when we hit the target that we're aiming at, there's a, there's a kind of soul satisfaction because we're doing things the way God designed us. 
The Bible says in John 8, 14, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. You do not know where I come from and where I am going. Here's the thing. Part of the secret of success for Jesus is that he knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. He knew what his job was, and he knew who he needed to please. So everything he did was in that direction. His aim was true. You see, you and me, we have to have a plan for our life, and we have to set priorities in our life. And if we don't set our priorities with God according to his word, ultimately we're going to be controlled by what other people tell us is important. You'll either live your life, hear me, you will either live your life by priorities or by pressure. One of the two. You get to pick. (laughs) Now, this doesn't mean that when you live your life by your priorities that there's not pressure involved. There is. But there's two kinds of pressures as well. And it's important to know what kind of pressure you're under. See, there's one kind of pressure that is like the pressure of a barrel and a bullet shooting through it. And the pressure around that, that, if you've ever shot a gun, the pressure that goes around that flying projectile makes it actually go where it needs to go. So that kind of pressure is good. So you should have some people in your life that when you start to get a little sideways, they bump you back and keep you straight. That's good pressure. But how many know there's another kind of pressure, the pressure of getting pulled in five different directions all at the same time. They used to kill people that way. It's one of the most torturous ways, cornering people. I said five. It's really just four when they do that. But you get my point. How many know that's a kind of pressure that will literally rip you apart and destroy you? So what kind of pressure do you want? Do you want the pressure around you that's your priorities, your focus, God's word, accountability, all of these things that make you go in the direction you're supposed to go? Or do you want the pressure that comes with living an aimless life and getting pulled in so many directions, next thing you know, you're ripped in pieces, everyone gets some of you, no one gets all of you, and you never do anything that you set out to do. When you know your aim, When you know your aim, you can also do this. You can say no to a lot of things that you need to say no to. Sometimes you don't know what to say no to because you don't know what you need to say yes to. And I have to tell you, every single choice you make is an exclusive choice. Once you get that, it'll free you up to know that no matter what I do, there's going to be some exclusion involved in saying yes. When you got married, you said yes to one person, you said no to everybody else. Hallelujah. Even if you live a life where you want to be inclusive of everyone, at some point, your desire to be inclusive of everyone is going to make it exclusive to certain other people. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do, every time you make a choice for something, you're making a choice against something else. Okay, number three, know when to rest. Come on, somebody who needs a nap right now. Okay, you got to wait two hours. I know, Jason, it's okay. This brother take a nap right there in that chair if we let him. That's why I got to yell sometimes just to make sure. Know when to rest. Learn to live with healthy life rhythms and patterns that include rest. Look at this. Jesus modeled it for us. Mark chapter 6, verse 31, he says this. Come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. The reason that Jesus wasn't stressed is because he had his aim right. He snuck away with the Father. He had his priorities right. And then he knew 
how to rest. This is why honoring the Sabbath is so important. Notice when God put it in there, he was saying, this is for your benefit. Sabbath. I take Sabbath on Fridays usually, sometimes another day of the week, but usually on Fridays. And let me talk about a paradigm here as it relates to working and resting. I think this. I think you have to work to rest, not rest to work. Now, it may look the same to people on the outside, but the way that you think about it will make a big difference on how you live your life. Some people say, man, I need a vacation so I can get recharged up to do more work. And I say, no, you need to work, work, work so that when you get to your vacation, you can actually rest. Work to rest, don't rest to work. If you need a vacation to recharge, I think you're looking at it all wrong. Sometimes we, we, we have to work hard so that we can rest. Do not rest to work. Here's why, it doesn't, here's why that doesn't actually work. <laughs> if you go and you rest so that you can work, while you're resting, you're thinking about your work. And then, if you're resting to work, when you get back to your work, you're just thinking, oh, man, I'm, just, I'm getting so drained out. I didn't get the rest that I needed. And now you're not working the way that you're supposed to work. So if you can actually get this perspective in place and you go, because listen to me, work is a blessing. You and me were designed to work. These people that think when you die and even in the next earth that God's going to create, that you're going to sit on a cloud and play a harp and just do nothing, that's not what the Bible teaches. God says he's going to remake the earth. It's going to be like a global Eden, and we're all going to have work to do. Work is part of how God made us. Work is sacred. Work is holy. So when you work, work hard, but work to rest so that when it comes time to rest, you can actually rest. I know it's a little tricky. I'd love to talk with you about it if you like, but that's a paradigm shift that I think we have to make if we want to be emotionally healthy people. We want to have our lives ordered correctly. Some of our problems also with rest is that we lack the ability just to sit still before God and listen to me and listen. I had a, a, a great pastor prophetic voice in my life, tell me one time, he said, you know, uh, he, he said, I love teaching kids how to pray. And I said, well, tell me, because I'm raising kids. And he said, well, here's, here's the key about teaching kids to pray. You have to teach them that it's a conversation, not a monologue. So all, never, never, never just sit with your kids and say, okay, let's say our prayers before bed, amen, go to sleep. So when you sit down with them, have them pray, and then have them listen. And just be quiet. Listen, is God talking back? Is God saying anything? I remember doing this with my son Luke. I'm going to close in a minute. I know we're getting late on time, but sitting with my son Luke when he was about three years old and we were doing this, and I'm trying to teach Luke how to pray in conversation, not in just monologue. So we, we would pray, and then I would say, okay, buddy, let's listen. Let's just be quiet. Just close your eyes and just listen and see if God speaks. And I thought one time, you know, well, what if he just makes something up? What if he just says it wasn't God? I don't care. I want him to learn to listen to God. Let's see what happens. So we sit there, and I just we just sit, and I wait about 30 seconds, maybe a minute. I say, you hear anything? No, Daddy, I don't hear anything. Okay, well, that's all right. We'll just keep doing it. And we did this over and over and over. How I many know it takes some patience? Because you're, you're both instilling a discipline of waiting and being still and listening, and you're also training how to hear. Out of here, and I told him, I said, when God speaks, it, we'll, we'll be able to go and look at the Bible and find out if it's true, if it's of God. And so I thought, even if he says, I heard something, if it doesn't line up with scripture, I'll teach him how to hear from God, chase it with the Bible. So we just keep doing this over and over. Finally, one night, 
We're sitting there. We said all of our prayers. I said, okay, it's time to listen. We're sitting there listening, and all of a sudden, Luke opens his eyes. God just told me something. I said, he did. What did he say? He said, God told me that he loves every person more than I could ever know. And tear begins to stream down his face. I don't care if he heard that in children's church and it came to mind. I don't care if he heard that from someone in our church and it came to mind. What he said was something that is true about God. And I think he heard it from him. We have to learn how to listen. We take things to the Lord in prayer, but we don't just dump it. We wait. God, what do you have to say to me about this? 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God wants to hear what's going on, but he might have something to say back. As I was kind of pondering this, it reminded me of a song that I love so much. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm a musician and a former worship pastor and all of that, but I got to tell you, one of the reasons that I love, I love songs with good teaching and good theology is because you'll remember those sometimes before you remember your Bible verses. And I'm a big fan of scripture memory, but I love songs that teach us something. This may be more awkward for me than it is for you, but I just want to sing a few bars of a hymn that ministers to me, probably not a daily, but on a weekly basis. Just go ahead and close your eyes. Don't focus on me. Just focus on, on the words. It says this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. If you know it and you want to sing it with me, you can. And what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. And oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you are a friend who is closer than a brother, a friend so faithful. I thank you that in our times of temptation and trials and stresses and anxieties, when we're angry, when we're depressed, all the things we've been talking about, I thank you, God, that you are there for us. Oh, what a friend we have in you. Lord, I pray, God, that as we conclude this series and we move on to something else, Lord, that the, the truths of your care for us, all of us, our emotional health, our mental health, our physical bodies, you care about all of it. And I pray, God, that you would just give us 
the courage and the trust to believe your word and do what you've told us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. You can stay connected with us at Vintage.Church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. At Vintage, we believe church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Liberty Hill area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service time, and plan your visit by visiting Vintage.Church slash Liberty Hill. We hope to see you soon.